All right, hello everybody and welcome into this week's episode of Around the Slice. If you are listening on the audio platforms, welcome back. If you are listening on the brand new YouTube channel, you can see my face right now, obviously, welcome in for the very first time. I am very excited to expand this podcast to video as well as previous audio. If you want to see what we're all about here on the Run the Slice YouTube channel, what my vision is for this channel, what we're going to be doing, everything like that, go watch yesterday's welcome video. It basically lays out everything I just mentioned, sort of an introduction slash, hence the name, welcome video to this channel. But for today's video specifically, you already know we're going to be doing like every Thursday, having the past and moving forward. We are going to be doing a Bills Jaguars game preview in London. This is a big one, special occasion. It just shows that the Bills are international, growing in popular <clears throat> excuse me, growing in popularity. So we're going to go. We are going to go over. I don't want to spoil anything, so let's just get to the topics at hand. First, the official broadcast information. Um just so if you want to know how to watch it on TV, this is how you can watch it and what time you will be watching it. So it is in three days. This Sunday, Bills, technically the Bills are the home team. So Bills versus Jaguars. Jaguars are Bills. So if you want to look at it, basically it's a real game for both teams. So it's all the way across the pond, nine hours away in London, whatever. But here it is October Sunday, October 8th at 9.30 a.m. on NFL Network. Network. I know Falcons and Jaguars was on ESPN Plus, the first London game this season last Sunday. But thankfully, so Bills fans, including myself, <clears throat> uh, got a problem to throw. Um, Bills fans, including myself, can watch it 9:30 a.m. on NFL Network. So if you have NFL Network, you can watch it. I'm sure most people do, but I just wanted to make you aware. So that's the official broadcast information. So before we get any specific like matchups, like Bills this versus Jaguars that, Jaguars this versus Bills that, I wanted to go over some, uh, yeah, go over some injury updates for you. So we're going to go, before we go over the big stuff, I want to talk about two specific players in particular, but we're going to just go over the traditional injury report. Now, I am recording this for some context here. I'm recording this on Thursday, October 5th. Thursday, October 5th. And hence, uh, obviously, I should say, I only have the injury report for Wednesday, October 4th. So it really doesn't mean anything. If these guys didn't practice, then whatever. I only have one day of injury report. But... Might as well go over it since I have it. So, there were three players that got a vet rest day, which is good. Just kind of maintenance, if you will. Uh, Leonard Floyd got a vet rest day, as expected. Even though he's played the last two games, he's kind of been missing practices here and there. The ankle injury doesn't seem to be affecting him in games. He's still been very dominant. One game more than the other, maybe. But regardless, very dominant, so... Uh, that's whatever, just to kind of keep his health up. Mike Hyde, vet rest, same thing. He's gotten ham nursing a hamstring injury, banged up here and there the last couple games. And the last vet rest is Matt Milano. He's been playing his butt off, so I totally agree with that. Um, And then Christian Benford was limited with a shoulder injury. It was weird, though, because if you were watching the game, you saw this. He got injured 
dinged up, whatever you want to call it. But he actually returned to the game in, in garbage time. Maybe they just wanted to get him some reps to get used to life without Trey White, which I'll touch on the ramifications of that in a minute. Uh, next, let's see here. Damian Harris was limited with a um, neck injury. This doesn't bother me too much, much at all, actually, regardless, because Latavius Murray is playing in front of him, and Damian Harris isn't getting as much work as we all thought he would. And then, again, no, Dawson Knox was limited with a quad injury. A lot of these guys have been nursing injuries for a couple weeks, even though they've played. They just get some maintenance on themselves. Uh, Von Miller was limited with a knee. The new rules this year, if a player's an IR or a pup list, which he has been and still is, they haven't officially taken him off yet, um, then they have to be listed on the injury report just to gauge things. And then Jordan Poyer was limited with a knee injury. And Greg so did not practice with a foot injury. And then Trey White, obviously, out with the Achilles. Again, Greg so is the only one that didn't practice. None of these concern me. It's just maintenance, vet rest um, for Milano, Floyd, and Hyde. Because those are vested veterans. Now I want to get to the big injury. So uh, for, uh, let's go to Trey White first since we already knew of this. So our fears were confirmed. I feel so bad, but he tore his Achilles. To put it bluntly, he's been through hell the last year, year and a half. And I'll take you through the timeline again. November 2021, right on Thanksgiving, actually. Tears the ACL. Non-contact, just running after a routine play. Tears the ACL. Brutal. And then he he has some lasting effects. And people were saying, well, would he be ready for week one? Well, he was placed on pop, so... He had to miss the first four, six games. Can't remember what it was last year. First four games. And then say, people say, okay, well, he'll return week seven against the Packers on uh, Sunday Night Football. Well, he didn't. And it lingered. And he took way longer than any of us thought, especially me. I don't say especially, including me, myself, I should say. And he came back, actually, funny enough, exactly a year later on Thanksgiving. And then he's finally, by the playoffs, he was back to old Trey White. But then I felt like the first three games of the season against the Jets, uh, Raiders, Commanders, respectively, he made one hell of a play against the Commanders where he broke in the ball. He finally looked to me like 2019 All-Pro Trey White. And then this happens. As soon as he went down, bam, he chucks his helmet. He starts pounding his fists in the field. And you, I just feel so bad for him. That's like two season-ending monster brutal injuries in the span of two seasons, two years, however you want to look at it. So that's just brutal. But the ramifications now, like I know, God God forbid, the Bills play Carter Elam, but they're going to have to. Like you can't mess around with this anymore. The kids got to play. I know he hasn't, like he doesn't fit your system because he's a man corner coming from Florida as a man heavy scheme, and then transition to his own heavy scheme here in Buffalo. Now, I was thinking the other day, we've all been thinking, well, what if Christian Benford and um, Kyrie Elam split? But what if Christian Benford keeps his job as CB1 and he directly replaces Trey White, and then CB2 is a split between Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson? Maybe it's not a Benford-Elam split. Maybe we have to look at it as a Jackson um, Jackson-Elam split. You're not good. Benford, you at least want one steady guy. So Benford will probably be CB1 and then they'll split. But yeah, 
That's the ramifications of that. And then <clears throat> Von Miller, I allude to this in the injury report. He hasn't been official. <clears throat> he hasn't been officially taken off pop yet, but they did open his 21-day practice window. So that means he has three weeks to practice and actually be activated to play in a game, or he has to stay in pop. But Von Miller is practicing this week, and he says on his Voncast, get it, because podcast, Voncast, Von Miller. It says basically a podcast he does for Bleacher Report. A lot of athletes are affiliated with Bleacher Report and do that, like Michael Parsons, Travis Hunter, but whatever. Um, He says in the Voncast, that he's 90% sure he'll play this Sunday against the Jaguars. And if he was a betting man, he'd bet that he'd play against the Jaguars. Now, you know my feeling. Well, maybe not. But my feelings have always been we need Vaughn for the stretch run. And we didn't have him last year. We don't need Vaughn for the first six, seven games. We need Vaughn back for the back end, the last six or seven games, including and pushing for the playoffs. This D-line has been dominant. That's the good thing, though. If he doesn't play against the Jaguars, oh well. If he plays against the Jaguars like 15 to 20 snaps, 15 to 20% of snaps in the D-line, cool. Because these guys rotate, 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 rotate. Unfortunately, when Vaughn comes back, well, I was going to say Kingsley Jonathan would have to be cut, but he had a key pressure the other day on a key drive. I think the very next play was a turnover. But uh, key pressure and QB hit on Tua over there in Miami on Sunday. So he got the quarterback pretty well. And unfortunately... Trey White going to IR, which I assume they'll do in the next few days at least. Uh, they haven't officially done it yet. Unfortunately, that will open up a spot for Von Miller. But when Von Miller comes back, do they really want to keep six defensive ends in Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Greg Rousseau, AJ Bernanke, Shaq Lawson, and Kingsley Jonathan? That seems like a lot to me. And I think if you cut Kingsley Jonathan, he'll be claimed like right away. He had interest around the league last year before he went to the Bears and returned to Buffalo. Um. And had that quote-unquote revenge game, if you will, against the Bears last year. So I'm not sure he's a nice developmental local-ish kid from Syracuse. Jermarcus Ingram from UB as well. So, I mean, Kingsley Jonathan pushed out Boogie Basham, so you never know. But I don't know if they want to keep six defensive ends. But like I said a couple minutes ago here, if Von Miller comes and he plays 15 to 20% of snaps, awesome. That's all we need from you. He can ramp up the season goes. Personally, I mm, I think he'll play this Sunday in some comp limited capacity, but I wouldn't jinx it or uh, risk it, I should say. I would wait till the very next week against the Giants where you can eat Daniel Jones live, and he'll probably be out because of garbage. So. But 15 to 20% snaps, that is ideally what we want. Next, those are some injury updates uh, and ramifications of the Trey White injury, unfortunately, and Vaughn coming back. Next, we're going to talk about, actually get into the actual preview stuff. My keys for the Bills offense. I, I'm sure there are more of these. Feel free to drop them down in the comments below what you think of my keys, how you think this will play out, or if you have more keys to victory for the Bills offense or defense. But three biggest keys for the Bills offense, in my humble opinion. Uh, first, this isn't anything really specific. This is just kind of a, um offensively offensive-wide thing. The whole offense show young, show young Jaguars defense different looks. So whether it's motion, play action. Now I believe the Bills are like middle of the pack in terms of like how often they use play action league wide, like 27, 28%. If I'm Ken Dorsey, I'm lighting it up with play action. 
Josh Allen is one of the very best QBs, one of the very best quarterbacks in play action usage. Off of play action, he is deadly. He's deadly off of everything, but off of play action, he's extremely deadly. I would get it up to 35% if I was Josh Allen lobbying to Ken Dorsey, say, let's move this up to 35%, Ken. But uh, yeah, show them different looks. Whether it's, you've seen this week one against the Jets. They haven't really done it since then, but even in a loss, you saw week one against the Jets. They do some motion. I would like to see Deontay Hardy maybe get involved in some jet, <clears throat> maybe get involved in some jet sweeps. I know they haven't really gotten that going. Deontay Hardy to me doesn't look as explosive as his New Orleans Saints days last a uh, couple years ago because of that turf dough. He missed all but four games, three games last year, I believe. So maybe that's affecting him. But whether it's motion, lining up Diggs and James Cook in the backfield and splitting out Diggs out wide or starting James Cook in the backfield and splitting him out in the slot, whatever it may be, and then play action. Like I said, I want to push that to 35%. So just give some exotic, uh, fresh looks to keep the defense on a swivel. Uh, secondly, this is a bit more narrowed, a bit more specific. Get the ball out quick to neutralize Jaguars as Josh Allen. So I know all the memes and all the funny stuff two years ago when the Bills lost 96 to Urban Meyer-led team. Josh Allen sack. Josh Allen, he had a sack and an interception. Josh Allen, like, he's really the only guy there in Jacksonville. Caleb on chase on, complete bust. Trayvon Walker, they should have taken Andy Hutchinson over Trayvon Walker. I know Walker is more upside and more lengthy whatever, but Hutchinson, Hutch, as he's affectionately called in Detroit by the Lions, teammates and people like me. Um, he had the actual production in Michigan, so I say always take production over upside, man. Um, but yeah, it's basically just Josh Allen, linebackers Devin Lloyd, Chad Muma. It's a young defense, but get the ball out. And Josh Allen, unfortunately, because of his like freak like ability and like he just doesn't get the ball quick. He's like bottom five, bottom ten, I believe, this season and for his whole career in that matter. He's like top three in completion percentage this year. Career high, actually. I think it's around 70, 71%. That's awesome, but he's got to get the ball up quicker. Josh Allen, the counterpart, the Jaguars version of Josh Allen, always dominates the Bills when they play. They've only played each other twice, but he had a second interception two years ago when they played in that disgusting game. Lastly, let's keep the Bills offense. I just want to see get a true slot receiver going, whether it's Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, or Trent Sherfield. They haven't been able to do this. I know Dalton Kincaid gets the majority of the slot snaps and reps and targets, if not all of them in the slot. But maybe you take Dawson Knox off the field and put Ken, uh, Ken Dorsey. He's not playing. Um, a call in the place. You put Dalton Kincaid in a traditional tight end spot. That, that would be beneficial. And then maybe you have like Hardy or Shakir or Sherfield. I just want to see one of them get going because we haven't really had a true slot receiver since Cole Beasley, if you really think about it. And even that last year, Cole Beasley, two years ago in the 2021 season, was kind of eh. He was good for us, though. Isaiah McKenzie last year didn't live up to the hype in his expander role. And then this year, other than Dalton Kincaid and slot, but I'm talking about an actual true wide receiver, Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield. Sherfield only has two targets this year, two catches. So he's a great blocker, but I would like to see him, Hardy, or Shakir get going, and maybe Josh can scheme up some plays for him in Ken Dorsey. Next, moving on, my three keys for the Bills' defense. First, 
take away Calvin Ridley. Because I'm going to be honest, Jacksonville doesn't present much threat, quote-unquote threat, outside of Ridley. Christian Kirk has been kind of disappointing. I think he had his one and only breakout year last year with the first year with the Jags. So he get $20 million a season, overpaid, whatever, and whatnot. Evan Ingram, very disappointing this season. Travis Etienne, you do got to watch for him, though, because they running backs have exposed the Bills' defense. And I, I know what people are going to say. Well, if you take away that one explosive run by Devon H and that one explosive run and cut by Brees Hall, you can't take it away, guys, fans. You can't take it away. They're credited with the yardage. They're credited. Week one, Brees Hall destroys them. Week two, and they keep Josh Jacobs in the negative two yards. Week three, Brian Robinson, some explosive runs towards the end of the game in garbage time. Week three, Devon H and most dirt was whatever, but Devon Achan exposed the Bills' run defense. So just lock in on Travis Etienne and run defense. But for this key here, Kelvin Ridley, Christian Benford is going to step up. And maybe this is where you give Kyrie Elam the split edge over Jackson, even though it's a split at CB2. Maybe this is where you work in Elam because I think an underrated part of Ridley's game is he's a really good route runner. He's not really a straight line speed, but he has speed a lot in athleticism. And, uh, if you have a man press corner like Kyrie Elam, perfect situation. So, yeah. Uh, second key out of three for the Bills' defense, take it, take advantage of a rookie right tackle in Anton Harrison. Now, I feel like they're reaching Anton, Anton Harrison. They took him at number 25 overall back in April in the 2023 NFL Draft, as you may or may not know. So, I feel like it's a reach, but it is what it is. They need an offensive tackle really badly with Cam Robinson coming off suspension at left tackle. He probably will play this um, Sunday because coming off suspension because it was just reduced from six to four games, same with Jamison Williams, but that that's irrelevant. Sorry for that tangent thing. Um, But what was I saying? Anton Harrison, he's a rookie. First two games have been eh. Next two games have been okay. This last game was really good for him. But if you're Leonard Floyd, if you're Shaq Lawson, mainly Leonard Floyd, then get after him. Even nursing that ankle injury, Leonard Floyd's been a beast, especially against the not so much against the uh, who did we play against the Dolphins, but against the Commanders, against the Raiders, he was electric and awesome. This D line feasting, but Leonard Floyd versus Anton Harrison. Eight nine year veteran Leonard Floyd, rookie Anton Harrison. That should be a huge advantage. Plus one Leonard Floyd. Uh, now lastly, throw off a very accurate QB in Trevor Lawrence. He's like top five in the league in completion percentage, sixty seven percent. He's not the quickest trigger QB in the world. He's not like Tua. No, to no one's really as quick trigger as Tua in Miami with the Dolphins. But he's not. He's decently quick triggered. So. You got. He's just very accurate. He knows spots to put it in. And if you can get any tip balls by Greg Rousseau and AJ Epinesa with their length, if if you can use speed rushers like Shaq Lawson, like a uh, at Oliver on the inside, that would be great. Uh, next here, after I laid out my six keys in total, three offense, three defense, we're going to go with my players of the game productions. Now this is personal. Feel free to leave down below. Uh, I on this new channel I want a lot of engagement. So feel free to leave down in the comments below if you are watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, I encourage you to go there from the audio platform and see me on my lovely face on video. We're gonna be building this thing up, ground up, 
if you will. Players of the game predictions on offense. I got James Cook. I think the Bills are going to be up by a lot by the third or slash fourth quarter. I think Cook is going to get a lot of run. And if I know it's coming, I know the huge breakout game for the James Cook in terms of out of the backfield usage is coming, guys. I know it's coming. So I feel like Cook is going to get a lot of garbage time run and catch, whatever you want to call it. So yeah. Uh, defense, Leonard Floyd. I just alluded to this, and you could probably tell that I was going in this direction because Anton Harrison is a rookie, and I think Leonard Floyd can expose that. So, yeah. Um, he's got underrated speed off the edge, too. Next, I want to talk about getting towards the getting towards the end here. My five official game predictions. So these can be player-related, situation-related. Some of them might be considered bold. If not, you tell me. Um, five game predictions. Stefan Diggs has 150 yards receiving. I did say this is going to be a big cook game, but Stefan Diggs just came off a game where he ate, let's be honest, he ate Kato Kou for lunch. Co had no business. He's a slot corner at heart, so he had no business covering Diggs, but they had no one else. Honestly, who whoever can cover Diggs? Very few people in the league. Xavier Howard overrated, but that's besides the point. He's coming off a game with 120 yards and three touchdowns, four already in the season through four games, so that's averaging one a game. Now, he'll probably get one or two touchdowns in this game, but 150 receiving yards at least, very realistic. Uh, next, Dalton Kincaid gets his first touchdown of the season, whether it's working in line. Now, he doesn't really block much, so this kind of helps that he gets more looks in the receiving game. It's not a very good blocker at all. <laughs> Knox is at least serviceable. Not the best, but serviceable. Whether it's in-line actual traditional tight end, whether it's slot receiver, whether it's flexed out outsider in the slot, what have you, I will continue to predict this. I've been wrong the last two games. I don't care. I'll continue to predict it. The Duncan Gate breakout game is coming. The Duncan Gate touchdown game is coming. I'll continue to predict it until the wheels fall off. I'll continue to say it until it actually happens. Uh, next, James Cook has three total touchdowns, whether that's two receiving, one rushing, uh, one receiving, two rushing. However you want to split it up and divvy it up between the three touchdowns, three total touchdowns for James Cook. And funny thing is, like for a guy of his size, so when I say his size, it's like 5'11", 195, so not the good enough height, but not the biggest, bulkiest guy in the world. Definitely not Latavius Murray, but he's getting goal line carries, which I thought would be Murray. Murray's game, but Cook is actually getting goal line carries, so that's encouraging. Three to total touchdowns for James Cook. Uh, second to last, last actual prediction because my fifth and final one, as you know, every week is my score prediction in the winner. Uh, Leonard Floyd has a sack and interception. I think he's just going to eat up Anton Harrison. I keep stressing it. Eight or nine year veteran Leonard Floyd versus rookie from Oklahoma, Anton Harrison. All right, tackle. And I think he's going to get an interception because he is, he's not like get Greg Russo 6'7 or AJ Bonanza 6'6, but he is 6'4. So if you can't affect the quarterback, get those mitts up, get those big bear paw hands up to put mildly, get those hands up. So second interception for uh, Anton Leonard Floyd eating up Anton Anderson, which will lead to defensive player of the game, in my opinion, obviously. And then lastly, I think Bills win the game. Apparently, I've been way too conservative with my predictions lately, but against the Dolphins, who knew they were going to win by 28 points? But, but uh, I think here, Bills win 40-28. to 28. 
I think Josh Allen has another banner day. I mean, think of this. We have had three AFC Offense Player of the Week uh, winners in a row. Week two against the Raiders, it was Terrell Bernard. Week three against... Um, no, wait. Oh, I make the order wrong now. <laughs> it, it was Terrell Bernard, and then it was uh, Josh Allen. Oh, I'm getting this all wrong. Okay, week two it was Josh Allen. Week three it was Terrell Bernard, and then week four this past week it was Josh Allen. You could have argued Stefan Diggs too. Allen even said Diggs should have been AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Either one, Diggs was right there at second. No one else deserved it. Could we have another one? Like if Stefan Diggs could throw 150 receiving yards and one or two touchdowns, I doubt he gets three again. But who knows? It's Stefan Diggs. He's going to win it. So, but Bills win the game 40 to 28. Uh, the Jaguars, the AFC hasn't been nearly as competitive and high powered as we all thought. I thought it was going to be a juggernaut. Ravens, up and down. Colts, a surprising team in the AFC. Texans, I love what they're doing at D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud and Will Anderson, young players stepping up. Um, they do have a lot of injuries, but whatever. That's kind of not their fault. Bengals, they're a master one and three. Joe Burrow needs to sit for a couple weeks and nurse back into full health from that calf strain. He's kind of limping around out there. <clears throat> Dragors, inconsistent, up and down. Um, so it's basically the Bills, even the Chiefs, Petro Holmes has looked off at times. I mean, now I've lost the Jets and Zach Wilson. That's embarrassing. But um, the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, Power Bills, Dolphins, and the Chiefs. You can flip Dolphins and Chiefs. I think the Bills are clearly ahead of those two, though. So, in a fourth team, I'd be hard pressed to find a fourth team that's really like Super Bowl contender right now. Um, AFC's look ahead. So, I would like to do this every week. This is a new staple I added in last week. Um, this is a new staple I added in last week. The AFC's look ahead. Um, What's going on with the rest of the AC East this weekend? Obviously, Bills are playing Jaguars, and I just predicted Bills win the game 40 to 28 by 12 points. Next, Dolphins versus Giants. The Dolphins are going to mutilate the Giants, especially if they get Jalen Phillips back. He's going to tear Daniel Jones' head off. I mean, the Seahawks weren't a very good defense in defense line. The Seattle Seahawks just take Daniel Jones. I'm going to have football a couple of uh, a few days ago. 11 times. The NFL record for most sacks in a game is the Philadelphia Eagles in like 1980-something. can't remember the exact year. I looked up the other night. 1980-something um, against the Cowboys. 14 sacks. So, But I, I, the Dolphins are going to mutilate Daniel Jones. Patriots versus Saints. That I, That's going to be such a boring game. I feel the low scoring and slog fest. The Saints aren't nearly as high productive as I wanted them to be. That's going to be a boring game. Uh, Jets at Broncos. That's another stupid one. If Zach Wilson plays like he, the only real exciting one here, though, is Bills versus Jaguars. Dolphins are going to mutilate the Giants. Patriots and Saints going to be a slog fest, very low scoring game. Whoever wins, whatever way. And Jets and Broncos, just boring all around. Um. Anyways, so Bills are the only interesting game. Anyways, um. Yeah. So this obviously has been the first episode of Around the Slice. Let me go back around the slice here on the brand new YouTube channel. If you're listening to audio, feel free to come over to the YouTube channel and watch the welcome video I recorded for you guys yesterday. It lays out my vision for this channel. It lays out why I started this channel, my fandom, personal about me background, all of that. So thank you for watching this first video edition of around the slice. I will. Whoops. I will see you guys Monday for uh, next Monday, I should say for this recap uh, breakfast 
<laughs> think of this breakfast and pills like two favorite things were that's like a dream come true right there when it just shows the bills are building the international game and all that anyway thank you for listening to this first um well continue to listen to this podcast but also watching me here on the first video episode here on the new youtube channel uh a few things before i get out of here you can follow me personally at a weingartner13 on twitter Follow the show podcast on Twitter at Around Slice. Obviously, you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can watch this podcast in video format on YouTube channel. Just search up Around the Slice and you'll find it on your YouTube account or mobile app, whatever. And then you can support me on Patreon for just $3 a month. You get extra exclusive content. Like, every, for example, every Tuesday, weekly power rankings 1 through 32. That is around the uh, patreon.com slash around the slice. I'll put it down in the description on YouTube and the audio platforms. But again, that is patreon.com slash around the slice. And by no means is it required. I just appreciate you guys for watching and listening. But if you want to take that extra step and support my work, then that's how you can do that. Anyways, guys, I'll see you next Monday. Um, enjoy your breakfast and bills, I guess. That's what we're going with. So, yeah. Bye.